Right now, I want to introduce you to a guy named Nick, and I actually read Nick's book um, back in 2013, I think, and uh, he's actually, he was 20 years old when he wrote his first book. That is amazing, Uh, but this guy is a guy that has accomplished so much. He's 30 years old, and he's married with four beautiful kids, and, and he's got this amazing life. He actually travels all over the world. He's from Australia. Travels all over the world speaking, and he's an evangelist. He, like I said, he's, he's written books. He's actually written seven books. And on top of that, he's always doing really cool stuff, like playing soccer with professional soccer players, surfing with Bethany Hamilton, and, and doing all these amazing things. But there was a time in this guy's life before he wrote his first book. He was a teenager, and he literally thought that his life was just wasted. He thought that he had no purpose, that he, that he literally questioned why God ever allowed him to be born. He just wanted to die. Depression doesn't even begin to acknowledge where he was in his own journey. And, and this week I was listening to an interview on 60 Minutes, and he said there was a moment, and I can't remember if he was 18, 19 years old, where something clicked. Where he was in that moment was like, why, God? Why would you create someone like me? Where all of a sudden, he realized that God doesn't make mistakes. And he couldn't change his physical, emotional circumstances. All he could change is, well, he couldn't change his physical circumstances. All he could change was the way he thought about him, God, and his life. And in that moment, his life changed forever. And he started writing books, traveling the world and speaking. And, and I just want to point out that he's not an ordinary person, Nick. He's this good-looking guy, but he has no arms and no legs. He was born that way. And, and so in 1992, when he was born, his parents were all excited to have a healthy baby boy. The doctors, up until the moment he was born, said everything is right. Everything is normal. And he came out with no arms and no legs. And he doesn't have enough of a stub to even use a a fake limb in any way, shape, or form. And so that's the way he is. Everything else about Nick was perfectly healthy, except he had no limbs. And yet, here's a guy that has surfed with Bethany Hamilton. There's a picture of it right here. Obviously, Bethany's on the right. There's Nick surfing. And then you notice he has no life jacket. He's out in the ocean If he falls off of there, he can swim with no arms and no legs. It is an amazing thing. He can get himself out of a pool. And and, and then he plays golf, okay? Probably better than I play golf. Look at this. He plays golf. He's played soccer. You can see him playing soccer. He's got this beautiful family. I mean, what a story. And this guy at one time thought that there was no purpose. And if I'm being completely honest, if I had no arms and no legs, I, I would struggle. Why me, right? Why me? <laughs> but Nick made a decision to live life to the very best of his ability. It, the next few weeks, we're going to talk about living the authentic life. Authentic literally means the real thing. Authentic is the real thing. So an authentic life is lived the way it was meant to be lived. 
Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want to point out here that Jesus talks about the thief, the the enemy that comes to steal our lives, to to take what we have. And and that is this age-old issue with humanity. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to chapter 3 of Genesis, we have the fall, the fall of mankind. And what I find amazing when you read through the first two chapters you have the creation of the world. You have, you have Adam and Eve created, and they literally had perfect lives. They were doing exactly what God created them to do. Everything was perfect. <laughs> and yet, here comes the serpent, the enemy. And what does he show them? What they don't have. Oh, if you eat this, you could have the power of God. God's holding out on you. And for the first time in in the history of humanity, Adam and Eve see what they don't have. Instead of seeing the perfect life they have, they think they're missing out. They eat the fruit. From that point on, and that fall becomes this place where they are always striving for something they can't have. Jesus came so that we could have life again. So that we could regain real life that we lost in the fall. And I I believe that we can live this authentic life, this real life, what we were created to live now and forever. That's the beauty of Jesus. And and so when we look at this this idea of living the authentic life, I want to look at some of Paul's writings. Mainly in Galatians today, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 is going to be the main thing we look at. But I want to start in Galatians chapter 1. And Paul is basically telling them why he's writing this letter. He tells them in Galatians 1, 6 through 7, You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. I, I love the way that's put... You think you're following the good news, but it's only pretending to be the good news. You're missing the good news. And and I love what he says just a couple verses later. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I love that Paul says this. Like, obviously, I'm not trying to please people. His main purpose is pleasing God. And, And so what happened in this church that made Paul upset with them. Why is he writing this letter to them? Well, well, basically, they have these new teachers that came in and started teaching Jesus plus something else. And so in Galatians 5, <clears throat> Paul says to them, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And so what these new teachers were teaching was, hey, Jesus is great. We believe that Jesus is the way, but you also need the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. There's 613 laws, and I I read through a few of them, and there's a lot. There's just a lot of laws there. But they picked out a few, mainly circumcision. 
and said, if you want to follow Jesus the way you're supposed to, you also must be circumcised. I'm not going to go into circumcision, but you can Google it after the service if you want to. But it was Jesus plus circumcision. Now, I believe this still goes on today. Many churches, many Christians all over the world preach Jesus plus something. The church I grew up in, they they held on to their style of music, which was a cappella. They refused to have musical instruments. So they only sang a cappella. And, and, and in many ways, they were preaching Jesus plus this is the only music you can worship with. And other churches that, that I went to over the years were Jesus plus you have to dress in a certain way. I've witnessed churches that believe so strongly in a political party that it's Jesus plus you believe this way in this political party. But I want to say something. Living an authentic life begins and ends with Jesus. And only Jesus. He is the truth and the life. An authentic life is a life That's lived the way it was meant to be lived. That means it's being lived the way God created you to live it. Now, Paul in Galatians 5, he tells us how to do that. And he simply says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then he follows it up with, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So let the Holy Spirit guide your life. So the Holy Spirit is guiding your lives. That's real life. That's living life the way it's supposed to be lived. If the sinful nature is ruling your life, that's what we got from the fall. <laughs> when Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit, that's when the sinful nature became evident in humanity. In the sinful nature, when it controls our minds and our bodies and our life, that is not real life. Uh, that's not the way we're supposed to live life. I've read a story recently about a homeless man. And this homeless man literally had spent his entire adult life begging for money. Every single day he went to some street corner and he had this, this little box that he would carry around with him and he would set that box down and he would sit on the box and he would beg for money. Every ounce of money he got would go to buy him a little bit of food, a little bit of clothing here and there, would help keep him a little bit clean. But he, every little bit he got, he would spend on something just to take care of himself. Year after year after year, that's how he lived. One day a man came walking down the sidewalk and saw the man sitting there in his box. and He asked the man, he goes, what do you want from this? What, what, what do you... What do you want from, from this begging? And he said, oh, I just want to eat something. I just want to be able to take care of myself. And he said, well, don't you want more? Don't you want more life? And he said, well, yeah, but that's never going to change. And then the man <laughs> said, have you ever looked in your box? What's in your box? Yeah, he goes, I don't know. I just sit on it. He goes, you've never looked in the box that you're sitting on day in and day out. He goes, no, I've never looked in it. He goes, well, maybe you should look inside. And the homeless man turns and opens up the box and looks in, and it's filled with gold. This whole time, he's been begging for a little bit of food here and a little bit of food here. while he's sitting on this 
life-giving gold, right? Now, that's not an entirely true story, because it's not true. That's every, every person's dream. <laughs> but the principle of the story is so true. So often we go through life just surviving, just kind of half-heartedly living. And the whole time, right inside of us is real life. All we have to do is open it up. You see, Paul talks about this Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus said. If you love me, obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus is literally talking about himself. And, and I love when you go to that story of the homeless man. He says the world, the world can't understand this because they're not even looking. They're not even opening it up and looking inside. But you, as believers in Jesus, we are promised the gift of the Spirit in us. What an amazing gift. You see, one of our biggest problems as humanity is we're always looking to the outside world for answers. We always want the outside world to guide our thoughts or to guide our beliefs. We, we look at other people to try to define success. And we think, oh, I see that person. They're successful. Maybe I'll do that. And, or we believe that real life somehow is something that we're going to achieve someday. Or we believe that real life is something that we're going to work for. We also believe that our failures or our situation hold us back from living real life. <laughs> but living an authentic life has nothing to do with your job, with being married or single or divorced. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with where you live. It has nothing to do with the car you drive. Your authentic life can be lived right now, <laughs> no matter what your situation is. Because we have that life in us. The Holy Spirit already lives in us. Now, many of us, we live in a place of confusion. A lot of human beings, we live in a place of confusion because there's this battle going on. And I think we've all experienced this battle. Paul talks a lot about our freedom in Christ. We have this freedom to live how we want, but he warns us, don't, don't let the sinful nature take over. Here's, here's what he says. He says, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. It, you see, you, you remember, we go all the way back to this, to the, the fall, and we've got this, this sinful nature that was introduced. And, and, and then this church is somehow hanging on to these old laws. And Paul says, listen, if you want to look at the law, for, forget all the other stuff and just focus on this one thing, love each other. Love God, love each other. Because if you keep living in this sinful nature, you're going to destroy each other. 
Well, we can see that in our world, can't we? But not only will we destroy each other, but we destroy ourselves. We sabotage our own lives because of the way we allow our mind to run rampant. And again, we, if we allow the sinful nature to rule our actions, to rule our lives, we will not live real life. <laughs> Many years ago, I had my dream job. I was a, a football coach and a teacher at a small Christian school. And I loved the job. It was, I, I got to be the athletic director of all the sports. I started a football program, so I was the football coach. I loved everything about the job except the paycheck. And it didn't quite pay for our family's bills. And at the time, we were a growing family. We had somewhere between two and ten kids at that time. I told the first service, we ended up at five. But it, we had a lot of kids. And we had a lot of bills. And, and after few years at this job, I loved it, but Lisa and I came to a decision that I, I couldn't keep doing it, and, and we, we just couldn't survive. And so, so I said, well, you know what? I, I used to sell insurance. I'll just call my old boss. And so I called my old boss, and he said, Chris, I would love to have you back. Absolutely. We'll, we'll make this work out. And I was like, okay, there, there's the answer. And so I resigned from my position at the school, and and a couple weeks go by, and I, I call this guy back and say, okay, I, you know, we've got this whole plan moving. And he goes, well, got a little bit of a problem. You see, my boss isn't excited about hiring someone back that used to work. And, and so that plan fell through. I was like, well, that's not good because now I really have no money. And so, so I, I called another friend of mine that, that, uh, that worked for an insurance company. I, I started meeting with them and me and the boss just hit it off, and they were like, yeah, we want to hire you. It was this beautiful situation. I was so excited about it. It was all going to work out, and they had all the paperwork ready to sign, and I went in one morning, and I sat down with them, and the boss that I had talked to was in Ireland playing golf. What a great place to go, but while he was in Ireland playing golf, he called the morning that I was supposed to sign the papers and told the manager, I feel bad about this. I just don't feel right. Don't hire him. And so here I am. I have no job. Well, unfortunately and fortunately at the same time, there was a guy that uh, his kids were on my football team, and he owned a furniture store. It was called the Furniture Barn. And if you're, a picture pops up when you think a furniture barn, you're right. It was a barn with furniture in it, and you're supposed to sell the furniture in it. And I got this job. He said, hey, you can do this. And I, I first said, There's, no, I can't. I'm not going to do that. And then Lisa goes, what do you mean you're not going to do that? We need money. And so I took the job at the furniture barn thinking, oh, this will be over quickly. But for whatever reason, a lot of time went by. Almost two years went by of me working at the furniture barn. There's nothing wrong with selling insurance or selling insurance, working at the furniture barn, selling furniture. There's nothing wrong with it. But I hated it. I hated every minute of it. And it seemed like at that job, more than any other job, everyone I knew from my past came in to buy furniture at the furniture barn. And there I was. Here I am. I was embarrassed by it. And I hated it. And, and I spent two years of my life depressed. And that's, that's an understatement. I wanted something else. <laughs> I wanted a different situation. I, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be anything but a furniture salesman. But for whatever reason, I was there. 
for that long. And I look back at that and I go, man, I literally wasted those years living in the past, trying to make something happen in the future, and I missed out on the now. I missed out on raising my kids and loving my kids. I was there, but I was just kind of going through the motions. You see, so often we all have this, this inner conflict in us. And so often this, this sinful nature, maybe it wasn't sinful, but yet it kept me from living real life. And it's this, this place of conflict. And, and Paul kind of describes this place, this place of conflict in Galatians 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the, sin, uh, the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. If we weren't 100% sure, I think we'd think Paul's a little crazy here, except we've all experienced it. <laughs> we've all had this conflict. Listen to the way he says it when he writes to the church in Romans. He says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right... I inevitably do what is wrong. <laughs> I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is in war with my mind. Uh, just listen to Paul's words. I, when I want to do what's right, I do what's wrong. I love God's law. I want to do it, but I end up not doing it. There's a war in my mind. We all know this battle. <laughs> Our mind's always racing, right? Our, our mind's always thinking of this or thinking of that or what I should have done or shouldn't have done. And, and this week, I actually was reading an article that, about the mind and how our minds work, and it called the mind the ego, the ego mind. And I thought, that makes so much sense to me, the ego, right? Uh, sometimes our ego is too strong, right? It's, it's so big that we're full of ourselves, right? Other times our ego is weak and it's, it's fragile and it makes us fearful and hateful. But our biggest mistake is to think that the ego is us. We are not the ego mind. That is not who we are. That's not our real selves. <clears throat> but the point of this, this idea of the ego, is the ego is the sinful nature. And in the ego, the sinful nature, it's literally always trying to protect us. So when I was working at the furniture barn, it was always thinking, oh, if you could just go to the past, that was good. Or if you could change things and you could go to the future and, and, and you could experience this in the future, then that'll be good. And so this ego was always trying to protect me from the misery of now. But in all reality, the only place you can truly live in the spirit is now, in this moment, the ego, the mind, it doesn't control us. We control it. We are given that ability by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit allows us to control what this mind is thinking and to bring it into the present. <laughs> when I look back now at the, my experience at the furniture barn, I, I can look with some clarity and go, man, <laughs> Wow, I was in a bad place. But I can go now, I think I could go back there 
And I think I could go, okay, I don't like this situation. I don't want to work in a barn full of furniture. That's pretty normal. But I think I could live real life despite the situation. And that is the key. The key is we can live real life. We can live with the Spirit, with the Spirit guiding our lives no matter what situation we are in. When you have the Spirit of God, you can embrace life now. You see, we quite often believe that real life is something we have to achieve, <laughs> something we have to work for, something that's in front of us. But just a reminder, an authentic life has nothing to do with your job, has nothing to do with being married or not married, has nothing to do with money or where you live or the car you drive. Real life is all about the Spirit of God guiding your lives. You see, Paul tells us, so I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. In Romans 7, at the end of his ramblings of I want to do good, but I do bad. I, I, I love God's law, but I don't do it. At the very end of it, he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The gift of the Spirit. You remember the homeless man sitting on the box of gold. Wishing he had a different situation. Wishing something would change. And all the while, right inside of him was the answer. We need to look inside of us. We need to not look at the world around us, but what God has placed in us. Now, Paul gives us these descriptions. What does life look like if you let the ego or the sinful nature rule? Well, here's what it says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other things like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The sinful nature is not authentic life. You can read through that list, and you could probably add some of your own things to that list. But when you read through that list, nothing in that list makes you happy. It's all anger. It's, it's resentfulness. It's things that hurt you physically. It's all these horrible things. Why? Because we've allowed the sinful nature to control us instead of the spirit controlling us. And what happens when the spirit controls us? Paul says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I love that he adds that in there. And I'm just going to say, when you're in the midst of loving, of a life of joy and peace, that's living. That's the authentic life. These things are real life, and you experience them right now. Not in the past, not in a, some future situation, but right now. I, I once knew a person that was, well, they were depressed. They were sad, a combination of sad and angry. <laughs> 
And as I talked to this person that was depressed and they were sad and they were angry and all these different things, I began to realize that this person, they blamed their situation for their feelings. And then not only did they blame their situation, but they blamed the people that were around them. Their family caused them to feel this way. Their, their, their friends caused them to feel this way. Their coworkers were horrible people and it made them angry and unhappy. And you could just go down the list. This man was given lots of opportunities. Lots of opportunities to do some really good things. And, and some of them he did. But even when he did those, they were never quite right. Either the wrong boss or the wrong person or, or the wrong situation. And he spent years wishing that he could change his past because of those failures, those mistakes. And he spent years wishing that something out in front of him somehow, some way was going to make him happy. You see, we can't expect a person, we can't expect a situation to give us joy. We can't expect a person to give us love or peace or happiness. <laughs> and we also can't expect a person or a situation to make us angry or to make us resentful or to hurt us. We allow that. See, if we want to live life, real life, the way that we were designed to live life, the only way to do it is to let the Spirit guide our lives. That's exactly what Paul said. If we want love, joy, peace, patience, let the Spirit Rule your life. I'm going to have Alyssa come up and just lead us in just a worship song. And I'm, I'm not going to ask you to sing along with her. If you want to, you can. That's fine. But what I would ask you to do in this moment is, is just to close your eyes and just think about this spirit that lives in you as a follower of Christ. Is it ruling your mind? Is it ruling your life. Now, your mind's going to be racing all over the place. I'm just going to warn you of that. But you have control over that. And bring it to Jesus. Bring it to what your life would look like if you let the Spirit guide you. Dear Heavenly Father, be with us right now. As we think, as we pray, I pray that your Spirit will rule our minds. We pray this in your name.
Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul says, thank God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that the answer is you. And I pray that you would fill our minds, fill our lives with the fruit of your spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.